0: and welcome to episode 51 of Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast, a podcast that we started a year ago after the Brighton Meaning Conference and have kept going and triumphantly have nearly up to our first year of episodes. My name's Michael Forrest. My name's Ivanka Magic. And this week we thought we'd talk about meaning. It's a, a grand subject we hadn't actually explicitly talked about yet. Why do we need meaning? I suppose there's a place to start. And then what has meaning for each of us and maybe try and understand what has meaning for other people and, you know, see how much time people actually get to think about the meaning in their lives because I'm not sure it's that much. No. My
1: problem this week has been that I've been all consumed by the next edition of the Politics World Cup that has been played out in America land. And I have thought about that a lot and the meaning of that and where we are so yes that's been what I've been
0: well I think that just exposes that meaning is something that we actually don't think about enough or very much so that's what this podcast is about thinking about stuff we don't think about very much that may be difficult to think about How's it going, Ivanka?
1: It's going very well, Michael. I'm enjoying my project that I'm working on for the Wellcome Trust. It is very interesting. I'm thinking about how science becomes part of policy. OK which is brilliant for me. Mm. Very interested in it as a topic, never really thought about it or been able to do a project around it in a professional setting. I'm getting to speak to lots of extremely top of their game scientists, doctors, clinicians. So I've had to really be focused on these conversations. I had to use a research interview, a clinical psychiatrist, who surely must be far more skilled than me in the art of qualitative interviewing. So that made me really be attentive. Not that I'm not always attentive, but it made me beforehand go, oh my God. <laughs> I don't you know, all those moments of self-doubt. But we had a really brilliant conversation. I have spoken to people who spend did I say this last week, spent all their time researching like the proteins in muscles. One of the people I interviewed yesterday spent 40 years studying muscle proteins, particularly the heart. One thing that's changed a lot in science in the last 20, 30 years is that the techniques are so much more refined. There's been some significant breakthrough in techniques and understanding so that the depth of the question and the depth of the understanding has increased massively so even though a discovery might be or sort of an implication of understanding how something works might be years old decades even a hundred years old uh, the actual explanation of it has now reached a level of granularity and detail where there's no doubt because one of the things the welcome trust talk about a lot is vaccinations and mm. uh, this particular clinician that he interviewed he's like look, all the data for vaccines is there. You know, Hmm. there is nothing, you know, we're done. We know about vaccines. We just need to vaccinate. There's no, like, there's that this is not a you know the answer to the vaccination thing is not in science anymore it's in policy it's in mm. persuading the quote from his was persuading luddite politicians that they need to actually take it up so uh personally i'd happily talk to these people for hours about the actual area of study but that's mm. not what i'm trying to find out i'm trying to understand not the particular nature of their area of expertise but rather understanding the process so i'm not just talking to scientists i'm also talking to people who work in policy civil servants people who actively are policy makers so yeah it's really quite interesting
0: Sounds meaningful it
1: is meaningful exactly. very meaningful very meaningful
0: I'm proud of you for having something so meaningful to do. Thank you. Have you heard about this Measure B thing in California? It sounds like it's a banking alternative, so that instead of people's money going into banks where it then gets lent out to, you know... To buy weapons and yeah. <laughs> do God knows what, cigarettes. However, they're investing all this money that they've got of yours. Apparently, like 50% of public money in California goes directly to bankers. So there's this Measure B thing, which if I've understood it right, I was listening to it on Harmontown where the guy was talking about it and he was getting into it. And then Dan Harmon was being drunk and kind of like derailed the explanation by wanting to turn it into a rap. And it was like, I just I kind of wanted to just hear what this thing was. But yeah, so it's, the idea is I think it's like a public bank Right, so, so that the government gets to kind of hold on to the money and invest it in, you know, stuff that the public need, rather than it just going to into the private sector and kind of lost to kind of nefarious industries sounds like quite a good idea doesn't, doesn't it sound
1: like a good idea you certainly need to try really. oh which is, reminds me because i was about to go oh, public money <laughs> I, was about, <laughs> I was about to do like mimic a libertarian talking about how you know that the pub that being in the public purse will never be as efficient as it being in the private sector then on <laughs> uh, on on wednesday morning i did a thing that i think you would be really proud of i was mm-hmm. on facebook and i'm one of i yeah, i've got loads of groups that I've signed up to one's a zero waste group and somebody put on uh, so I, was, I went up to university first thing in the morning and helped my sister with something and I was getting the train back into town and I said to um uh, I was looking on Facebook and somebody had gone hi anyone think of a really good name for zero waste company and the first comment on it was impossible all it's going to do is rip us off so I literally, because I was waiting for the train, just replied, well, aren't you a ray of sunshine? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy came back. What? Prove me wrong. And I said, oh, no, thank you. I said, I was merely commenting on the dismissive and dark nature of your comment. You know, I'm not, not interested in uh, you know, debating it. And he went, you're right. I'll delete my comment. And oh. deleted his comment. <laughs> get in.
0: <laughs> Good work. Kind of like one one at a time. I've got a note here. If you let them stir in this doubt, you get paralysis which was obviously a very important point to me at one point. but No, it was in response to me going, Brexit solves nothing. Yeah. And then a guy going, well, I think it does solve some things maybe. And I was like, like what? No, it doesn't. It doesn't solve anything. And also, hearing about the fact that Paul McCartney, I didn't realise, had said that he uh, didn't vote on Brexit because it was he was too confused. It was like, and also Ringo voted leaves. So this is very all very disappointing. But this kind of balance in the media and always sort of having someone with an opposing view without really like representing how much of a crank they are in the process. You're sort of stirring in doubt into stuff that really doesn't need any flipping doubt stirred into it. But it's it's. Quite Quite hard to feel like a reasonable person if you take such a hard line if you feel like you're taking a really hard line on something that that maybe there are questions maybe something's not perfect but if you let them stir in that doubt then you just can't operate you can't function you can't make a decision anymore and you sort of just become apathetic and so I think sometimes the only way to To actually be able to take any action is to sort of override and attack those forces of sort of diluting and, I don't know, you can't act if you don't have a certain amount of certainty. And, And that's one of the worst things that the media is responsible for is this sort of erosion of any kind of faith in anything or belief in anything. Not that, you know, we should necessarily have blind faith in anything. People aren't taught how to deal with that sort of thing and people don't know i don't think i don't think anyone sort of like understands the list of um logical fallacies and all that kind of thing i think i don't know if they maybe they are teaching a bit more now but i really think people need to start becoming more aware of what sort of arguments are misused and sort of bad just even just calling out bad faith arguments I think, would be a really big thing. Those reporters, Trump going, you're rude, you're a very rude man, talking to these reporters. Like, I kind of just, and now that I've sort of listened to some discussion on CNN, I sort of wanted him to say, well, it's not my job to be polite to you. And if I was, then I would just be propaganda yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah. So, I mean, you
1: know. I th- there was an interesting comment on a that I hadn't thought about previously. So a friend of mine had posted something about the 12 years to the climate catastrophe and Mm. a comment had come up somebody had said i was talking to a friend of mine about this who said well surely if it was such a big catastrophe and it was so pending it would be mainstream headline news on the bbc you know it'd be it'd be in the news it would be news Mm. so i went and shared in his comment like screen grabs of you know major british news sites including the bbc Mm. and it kind of isn't there like 12 years is nothing blink of an eye You'd think that a major news agency for the United Kingdom would have Climate Watch maybe as a box, as a dial, as a as I a as it'd a...
0: be a... I mean, it's a bad news. Shouldn't that be a good story? If it bleeds, it leads. It's like planet <laughs> Earth is bleeding, maybe that should it's be... Like it, and like... Like
1: I really genuinely hadn't thought about the... Um, I hadn't thought about it in that context cause, because for me it is headline news... You know, and that's partly because of my self-created bubble and all that jazz that everyone keeps. The algorithms understand that I care about it, but I was like, "Well, yeah. Why should people care? Why? How? How are they going to understand the urgency in which they need to act if the?" News agencies who are responsible, and then we had our budget, and it didn't get a mention. Nothing
0: like these news sites aren't even reporting the news.
1: No, so I was sitting there thinking, it's fake
0: news of anchor. That's why yeah, it's true. So it's, not, it's not, not really happening. Fake it's news. just
1: a cycle of the planet, and uh, you know, it's very natural. It's happened before, and yeah, <laughs> that's why I got on Twitter <laughs> from somebody once going, "No, dear," she actually
0: wrote, "Oh no, no,
1: dear." It's a natural cycle.
0: Have you seen the graphs? Yeah. It's like <laughs> <laughs> have you heard of the industrial revolution? Like what? But
1: I'm keeping. I'm Lord. keeping an
0: eye on the young young folk and supporting them at the moment. I've been thinking about this a bit more, and I think my my biggest thing with climate has always been. Well, I mean, I have like all of my interests are like this studio, like all my music gear, all my equipment is just my carbon footprint is just I don't know how to do anything so I've written on a post-it note 12 years I've put a checkbox for carbon neutral studio so I need to figure that out over the next couple of years somehow.
1: But I think a start of that it doesn't you know like okay we need to reduce our energy consumption but we also need to shift to renewable energies like you know a starting Mm. point could be the building your studios in getting their energy from you know someone like ecotricity or, or bulb or any of those people that i did talk to i think they might be up for that actually so yeah because yeah. i think it's a selling point for them as well i mean that's one thing renewable energy doesn't mean you can just spend willy-nilly in my view but like my cousin who's staying with me at the moment who's in her 20s she's like we were talking about climate change i think it was post the election results And she's like, "Can President Trump not just look out of his window?" (laughs) (laughs) Like it's because it's like we're what are we? The eighth, ninth of November in Brighton, and it's warm, and Mm -hmm. my strawberry plants in the garden have got green strawberries on them. That is not normal. My strawberries are very confused.
0: we talk about meaning yeah let's we should (laughs) how often do you think about meaning
1: um i actually think that i think about meaning quite a lot one of the reasons i don't complete box sets (laughs) is because i (laughs) I get up to like
0: episode four and i go what the
1: fuck am i doing (laughs) give us a shit What is this Watching the wrong to box sets,
0: there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, empathy to be found in the, that you might not have had with the right box sets.
1: Maybe that's um, <laughs> I, I
0: understand that instinct, and actually, whenever I play computer games, that's when it really kind of is. When I just get lost, I always just get lost, and I just think this is this is no good. Meanings that that sort of like little core, like a nucleus of discomfort that for me, like, I start a new job, I'm excited I'm getting paid again, I'm excited to be, I guess, meeting new people, finding out what's going on, showing off a bit, like, look what I did. But as the job sort of, like, gets a bit more mature, this nucleus just starts to grow and grow and grow, and then within a few weeks, <laughs> it's kind of all-consuming, and I'm just, like, questioning absolutely everything. and go, why am I wasting my short life on... Bullshit all day long and it's i don't think that's necessarily a healthy way to live no, no.
1: Uh, but that's what i was thinking of like you know I'd, have you read brave new world The aldous huxley they they go on about this soma things so like everyone's on drugs so they all fulfill mm. their role in society but they're all on drugs and mm. i i think there is definitely a choice to be made where you accept the world around you you know take mm. the soma And just unquestioningly continue to produce whatever it is you're working on without Mm. any questioning. And in some ways, I wish I could be more like that, but I've never been allowed to be like that. I've never been like I was I was walking around thinking about the subject of meaning and manipulation and media and all these kinds of things, because obviously I'm always mentally preparing for a podcast on a Friday. And mm. I was thinking about in my home as a child, we were never allowed to watch telly without questioning what we were looking at. And why were we we were being shown it? Which you know takes the fun out of a lot of things. <laughs> so it's like because my father was like, "This is what they want you to do. This is what they want you to see." Da da. Let's look at you know even I don't know Doctor Zhivago the movie. It was banned in the Soviet Union da, da, because part of the story was a book first. In in one part of it, they 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 ridicule the Russian Revolution or the revolutionaries or what they turned into. But in the beginning of the movie, they're also ridiculing those serving classes because the Russian revolution didn't come out of nowhere people were hungry and so there's this scene in the movie where you know Lara the protagonist is with this wealthy man up in the restaurant and they're listening to classical music and they're all waltzing and dancing and drinking champagne, da-da-da. And the, the, the peasants are marching in the streets and being shot by the Tsar's army. And the, the guy that she's with just makes a big... So that he goes quiet in the restaurant, he makes a joke, and then they all, all the rich people are, ha-ha-ha-ha, they go back to their dancing. And there's this kind of... like So when we watched that movie as children, we had to see what they're doing here. (laughs) Can you see Mm -hmm. what's happening? This is what's happening here. Or, you know, like coming to America when he stands on the balcony and he, Good. Look, Sammy, how free America is. People can throw their rubbish everywhere. I've never been allowed to, to just drink the Soma <laughs> and be off my face and go along. And, I, and I, I, you know, some days I wish I could. Well, you think
0: about meaning too much and you, it just drive you to drink. It does, you know, it is like booze calms it down or you sort of smoke a lot of weed and you think about it and talk about it a lot, but then, you know, you're not actually doing anything certainly i think there's a close relationship between drugs and meaning yeah either um, escaping even, it or yeah, yeah, yeah like look searching for it you know go on your um ayahuasca or whatever yeah, yeah, it yeah. is like and you have carlos castaneda castaneda in the desert uh desert spirit guide all this stuff yeah don juan you know that searching for meaning that that, that um, kind of side of things yeah homer simpson in the desert but it's not really associated with you're not really allowed to bring it up at work
1: <laughs> depends on the job depends on the job it depends on the organization. It depends on whether the leadership of the organization buy into the concept of meaning or they're simply you know pursuing growth, pursuing money. Uh, I think you can pursue money and meaning. I think that's entirely possible. I've always been a little bit discerning. I'm trying to think of the first the first place there was a proper conversation about what should consultants do if we have a client whose project they don't want to work on on moral grounds so we had that debate at flow interactive when I was there because there was a potential to do a project for shell and somebody didn't want to do it and so there's that conversation about actually should we have a structure where you can go I, I don't want to work on this I think opening those conversations to meaning is, Interesting.
0: It's it's sort of like a pursuit you can have if you don't have to work all day every day.
1: It's a luxury, but it shouldn't be a luxury, and that's where I think we should be able to build, you know, I don't care how naive and idealistic I am, but we should be able to build a society where everybody can afford the basics so that we can spend more time Working on meaningful things and things that will actually make people happier. The, uh, the problem is like in the country as it is at the moment, we've got, you know, austerity, zero hour contracts, child poverty, all these things that mean that people living who are directly affected by that can't have principles in the way that I can because Mm. they have to survive. They're surviving. I'm sitting here going, oh, I'd really much rather work on that project because it's more interesting. So I I appreciate that that is a luxurious position to be in. But then I think because I'm in this luxurious position, I should be more discerning and not just go, ha, ha,
0: ha, give me all your money. Let me sell you some shit you don't need. I just do my meaningful stuff until I run out of money and then I have to (laughs) sacrifice my... uh like I don't think there's any... I still haven't found the thing that didn't feel like I was sacrificing meaning for money. In the same way that one can find the meaning in almost anything.
1: Yeah, that's the other um, side of it, yeah.
0: Also, it tends to disappear as reality sets in.
1: You can find meaning in many places. So I think working on a meaningful... It, it could be the way the organisation is structured even though they're producing you know something that's entirely trivial but the way mm. they've structured their organization or the leadership team itself or that they're just decent human beings working on towards something or they've they they're, they're trying to push a structure so you know there's a there's an IT consultancy type gang that I work with I get work through them quite often. On on the surface of it, they're an organisation that is just like anyone else, getting together contractors, pitching for projects. But actually, they've tried to change their structure of the organisation behind it, the way they reward you. Like, you know, I've I've done introductions for them, and I didn't realise they paid a reward if you introduce somebody. And without Mm. me prompting in any way, they're like, hi, Vanka, can you send us an invoice? We owe you some money. Oh, do you? Mm. (laughs) That's nice. You know, so there's that kind of like, honest and open way of doing business that Mm. makes you a much more meaningful place to work for
0: well is that is that is that meaning
1: i don't well i think in trying to create a world where there's more things to work on that are meaningful we need more organizations trying to challenge the existing structures we might be sitting there charging more money and doing code or whatever we're doing Mm -hmm. but we're still on a production line just a bit more sophisticated um
0: i mean i wish sometimes i wish we were on a production line (laughs) and it wasn't just we're just doing a load of work that comes to nothing which feels like a lot of jobs you stress your brain out you know you're kind of like subsumed in something for months years on end and then like there can be nothing at the end of it it's not like i'm making i don't know at least if i'm wiping profiteroles on a conveyor belt they're going into a box and someone might eat them
1: Okay. I mean, yes, there is. So there is that element. But I think the interesting thing about a conference like meaning that mm. <laughs> which is kind of where, where all this started is that they're challenging this acceptance that you go to work, you do work, you get paid, you go home, you watch a soap opera, you watch a box set, you yeah. go to sleep, you wake up, you buy shit, you go to work. You know, it's like they're they're, they're challenging this brave new world of... Blindly marching towards our death. <laughs> I would like to keep your
0: fine. Celebrate the magic of our time. Why go round in circles when you could be fine? Some things happen in the silence. Make you stop and think about your life You couldn't see the pattern I watched a little Vox video this morning about um, the creation of the biohazard symbol. Oh, yeah. And about how they did all this research to find the most memorable symbol they could find that sort of had met a certain number of criteria, but also didn't have any meaning attached to it already, which they could then use for the purpose of warning you about hazardous chemicals. Meaning is... Something we extract from symbols and events. A word can mean something very different depending on context. To different people, Mm. it can mean something different. The meaning of a symbol or the meaning of an event or the meaning of a job is entirely framed by you. Yeah. This is one of the reasons machines are bad at understanding. Like they're getting better, but they make, still make stupid mistakes when presented with language, you know, natural language processing or reading and anything. They just don't understand because to understand what written language means, you have to basically be a person that grew up as a human being in a certain culture and machines just don't, aren't quite there yet. They're just trying to do it superficially by grouping things, forming patterns separate from the actual existence, which means they'll always say stupid stuff.
1: Mm. That's made me a little bit more depressed (laughs) because I'm thinking about this in the week. I was thinking, right, okay, who in my extended family could I spark a conversation with about climate or or what makes me decide to buy this or not buy that or those kind of things? Because if we say consumerism and consumption is one of the problems, right, what do we what we can do? How can you explain why, if you buy a £500 handbag, to you it means that you're showing off some sort of symbol of something and to me it just means over-consumerism and a waste of money and earth resources. It's like, how do we, how do we...
0: How do you transmit your meaning to someone else? How do you kind of get someone to see what something means to you? Yeah,
1: without it in any way being threatening or, you know, a a judgment on
0: them. Because you're potentially impacting huge areas of their history of their upbringing of their belief system just you can comment on one thing but the meaning that that has to them is built off their entire lifetime of experiences so you know they're going to get defensive if so
1: so how do we perhaps we haven't also defined what you know having a meaningful job means to us
0: and I think a different, different people will have very different definitions. And even, like I touched on earlier, something I can find meaning in initially can start yeah. to lose it. Or sometimes I can think, well, this is pointless. And then suddenly you find something, it's like, oh, well, that's, that's kind of caught my attention. Yeah, there's no one no. job that is meaningful. And if your mother dies of one thing, then you'll be interested in, in that and the things that will have meaning for you. Will be related to that. Making a lot of money has a lot of meaning to a lot of people because, again, going back to that, that impresses their dad, hopefully. Yeah. You know, that's the meaning of that. Like, I got this bag because I always, or sometimes, or once, a nice man started talking to me and we got on really well. And now I always buy the most expensive bags because I did that before and it you know we do things because of anecdotal things in our history a lot of the time
1: but I think for me when I say that I um am considering the meaning of something when i'm doing like you know the the original question was uh, how often do you think about the meaning there's two things i think i'm contradicting. i don't think i agree with myself (laughs) so (laughs) i was going to say originally do them in two different voices when you when you talked about um you know the earning lots of money to please your dad thing i was thinking well actually then perhaps for me the definition of meaning that it has a positive impact you know outside of me my immediate family so if first i must satisfy my family and survival and our flourishing it doesn't have to be survival i need my family to flourish for me to fulfill part of my life's obligations so i've done let's say i've achieved that meaning for me then is what can i do to do that and put some value back into the world of which i'm not a direct i don't gain directly so in the context of Mm. making loads of money of course you're achieving the you know survival your family flourishes if i say something is meaningful has meaning it means it it, it's more impactful on the the world than that it allows me to do fulfill my obligations and add something back but then Mm. when i say that i sit there watching a box set and i'm like oh why am i doing this (laughs) it's like Mm -hmm. that feels more selfish that's more about like what's happening to my brain while I'm watching this. When I say meaning, does it mean adding something back into the world? Or am I mm. kidding myself and mm. persuading myself that that's what I mean by meaning? Well, actually, it's more to do with my own ego. <laughs> I want to be seen as a person well. who adds something into the world.
0: Well, let me Which kind of like explore the latter in terms of like I, I would say that music has become a, an extremely meaningful thing in my life, the making of it. And I think if you put that under a microscope, it, it, as with many artists, it sort of comes down to this um, idea that if I put something, if I create something beautiful, then I will be lovable, then I can be loved. You know, yeah. it's sort of, it, you can kind of get to that. And But if you're being unkind to yourself, it's that, that I have an ego that I think that something I make should have any... You know, bearing on anyone else's day ever, and the meaning changes depending on what mood you're in. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's like this thing is the meaning of it is that it's a trap that I'm stuck in, but I can't escape. But then, I, you know, or it's just like you know, it is my experience that when I was, you know, I always loved doing it, but and I was always interested in it. And then when you know, I was a teenager, it was my first way of kind of getting out of being a complete sort of outsider to actually being part of something and having friends that I saw all the time and we played music and we did things together, it's had that meaning attached to it. And then I think I may have said this before, but, like, it's weird that I've got so fixated on the actual thing that I sort of almost lost the thing that gave it meaning in the first place, which was the social thing, which was the friends. I suppose in that respect, we can misattribute meaning you can confuse the the context that you've applied with the object itself how upset you get if you accidentally flushed your wedding ring down the toilet is entirely proportional to how much you think that is the thing with the meaning Mm. rather than the agreement that you know the the agreement you've made and obviously different people will have very different reactions to that some people i'm sure would be utterly uh, mortified by that (laughs) but then another person be like oh it's just a the metal, it doesn't, yeah, you know, I get a new one. Well, I mean, what what's an early, what's a formative? Do you, can you kind of trace back your current passions to an event like that? Therapy. It type. is therapy time. The,
1: the, the environment thing, okay, climate wasn't particularly visible to me as being a thing when I was like 12. But I remember in Yugoslavia in school getting really upset in like a youth council meeting type thing because everybody was laughing at this idea that we should go and clean up the park which was full of rubbish and I was Mm. like you don't understand what you you know I got I cried I was crying oh yeah you don't understand Mm. it's just terrible and everyone was like oh god she's really serious but I don't know if that came from I certainly my mother used to make sure we did not litter and we need not throw things away and Mm. it was that kind of and my father taught us to be very respectful of the things that we owned like you know we can't afford to buy that again you have to look after Mm. your things looking after your things was a thing um you know you're not in this room. (laughs) switch off the light but then maybe some of that came from as well not having particularly lots of money You know, we've talked about that before.
0: Well, I think it sounds like you just had a good upbringing there.
1: (laughs) Well, I think my parents did a decent job. Are. That's what makes all policy, all politics, everything so complicated. Is that, no, not complicated, complex is because we're all completely a result of the the, the exact makeup of our DNA within the context of our experience. And that just makes yeah. us all like, you know, trying to explain why one person recovers from childhood trauma and another doesn't is really, yeah. really hard. Um, or trying to turn that into sort of a one fits all policy. Um, mm. uh, so I think, I think the the meaning. And it, oh yeah, I was surrounded. The
0: meaning has never been more fragmented. Like people's experiences have never been so fragmented as they are today, because it's experiences that grow you. In it, and it used to be there used to be a lot fewer experiences available, and you sort of there's a lot of space in between. And now you you sort of get to curate or pursue whatever kind of tangled web of progressions you want. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm talking about. You know, again, like village, yeah, yeah, that... early agriculture. It's sort of like, well, you'll all see the amazing musician that came through town that year, yeah. and you'll all be affected yeah, by
1: I, it. I, I totally uh... agree with you. Like, that there are fewer shared experiences,
0: yeah, because
1: we don't even go in. Like, we're not even dictated to by the TV schedule anymore. No, like, yeah, you know, it's it's more like, oh, don't talk about last night's episode of so and so because I'm only on episode one. Yeah, so you can't yeah. even come in and go, oh, no wow, thing. did you see? Because don't tell me, yeah. don't tell me, I'm still catching up.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, it, like, yeah We're yeah. totally
1: killing all our shared experiences, which is probably yes. killing a lot of empathy.
0: Yeah, sort of the erosion of any shared experiences is, is, is poison to empathy, is poison to shared understanding. I was listening to Mark Maron interviewing Roger Daltrey talking about how people used to sing all the time, sing together all the time. You'd walk up past any pub and there'd be people singing in there and how just the act of singing or even seeing a group of people singing is actually a really, really gets... Inside you is really. You know, Mark Maron saying anytime he even sees a musical that he's not even that into, he'll kind of always make him cry, whatever it is. And so much of shared experiences, you know, football matches you're chanting, churches singing these hymns. And, and it's, it's a shame that the, the lyrics, the words of the hymns are so serving of something that doesn't always have the best interests of the people singing it <laughs> at heart. But I thought, you know, maybe I could try and set something like, I don't know, like a secular church where it doesn't even have to be readings. It could be we're going to watch these youtube six youtube videos and in between each one we're going to sing some secular something and we'll make it a bit of a kind of like club like fireworks display visuals kind of like immersive interesting thing but it will really be about just thinking about meaning thinking and and singing together like is that something you could get people to do well i i don't i'd resist it but
1: (laughs) there is that thing that general assembly whatever it's called there is there is something like that. I've not been along. I've read the description. I know Alain de
0: Botton's sort of set something up.
1: There are things like this that clearly people feel the need to have. Choirs are really popular mm. as an activity, which <laughs> would support your argument. Yeah. Shouting along, because I, I wouldn't necessarily describe what I do as singing, but, you know, that sort of shouting along to some music is a Such a brilliant feeling, even if you are, you know, outside a pub. And it's not that abnormal in the sort of former Yugoslavs to still, people still be shouting along to some music in a pub. But you do it here as well, aren't you, if you're drunk enough and there's a jukebox?
0: Yeah, people do it. It happens. I certainly don't do it. No. My grandfather played the church organ. Like, he was a big role model. And I thought, well, I could... It's not the church organ anymore, but it's sort of like the club is now you're not the guy playing the organ so much. You're more sort of like the guy playing the music, yeah. the DJ, I guess, is kind of doing that role now. And yeah, obviously I have to make it too complicated. I should have probably just gone, oh, okay, well, I should be a DJ then. Modernising my grandfather's, the things I admired about him and doing that would obviously, would have a huge amount of meaning for me. Yeah.
1: Going back to one of our earlier points about ego, one of the things that I admire Of the organiser or organisers, though I think it's mostly one woman, (laughs) of many Mm -hmm. conference, is that she's not the front person. It doesn't seem to be herself that she is creating a platform for. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's a very... It seems to be you know, at best you see her at the end where the whoever the host is persuades her to come out to receive a bunch of flowers and a round of applause. It's not a platform for her
0: to get famous. No, which I think and the- unlike my church theory. <laughs> <laughs>
1: thing i listened to this week it was part of my new favorite podcast i'm pushing this week (laughs) um yeah they uh but it was a it was a conversation with uh white evangelical women in the states that are moving away from trump who can't support Mm. trump because of his Mm. stance on refugees because their their standard default position is that they have to vote for the republican representatives because democrats are pro-choice and therefore, mm. you know, that's their evil lies. So we must vote Republican. And then mm. they see current Republican politicians quoting scripture to justify their treatment of refugees. And now, mm. you know, literally these women are saying this is not the Jesus I recognize from what I know of Jesus. Mm. And my Jesus isn't like this. This is not this. is How dare you use scripture to, in this context. So they're starting to move away from Trump. They had a few of these people interviewed and then they re- had a recording of one of these women phoning her father Mm. Who was also, you know, obviously an evangelical Christian who uh, votes Trump, pro Trump, pro Kavanaugh, all these things. And this woman is trying to have a f- conversation with her father. They obviously love each other very much. They are a close family. Mm. She wants the approval of her father. He doesn't want to upset his daughter, but they are, they completely disagree, completely. Mm. And you listen to her trying to persuade him. And she's been you know, like one of these women who's been at the border with America. And OK, I'm using all these examples for American politics. But this week is American no, politics funny. week because they had it's the funny. midterms. But they, but she's at the border. She's telling him a story of being at the border and sitting there and speaking to a woman who got deported. And her child who stayed behind in the States attempted suicide at nine. And she's just trying to get back to her daughter. So she's telling her father this story. And her, her father's like, well, look. There are going to be isolated incidents where this is happening, but the majority are bad people trying to get into America and they can't talk to each other. Like you're listening to this mm. conversation and you just, you're like, there, there's no, their gravity is not in the same place. It doesn't work the same.
0: John Oliver showed some footage this week about uh, just, like, a child being reunited with his mother and just reject saying, you're not my mother anymore, you went away. But this you is it, this me. is what my... You know, and, like, and we've said it, you know, it's like, how, how... how Talk about a factory for unhappy people angry with your country.
1: Talk about... a terrorist mafia criminal factory that's what it is yeah it's like people that are deeply going to be deeply deeply traumatised for the rest of their lives rightly
0: so (sighs) fucking hell (laughs) Maybe we've only got a limited mental capacity for meaning and maybe that's why advertising is such a poisonous thing because we are being bombarded by communication imbuing things with meaning that really should not have any meaning Mm. attributed to them. Which choice of toilet paper you buy should not be meaningful? No. And that's what advertising is spends thousands and millions of pounds all day long to try and make us see meaning in absolutely meaningless stuff. At the cost, I think, as a new theory I'm just coming up with now, of actually looking to for actual meaning. So people, I guess it's easy not to get that meaning drive triggered because it's being... Bombarded day and night by absolute nonsense. Mm. This perfume means you are lovable. What? Yeah. this vodka is different from the next identical vodka in that it will make you cool and interesting at parties instead of the heart and soul and life of the party what a waste of our mental capacity so i definitely
1: think that you've got a very you know that i the the point around the fact that advertising kills our definition of meaning or adversely affects our definition of Hmm. meaning and all that yeah i don't know if that we only have a limited capacity for meaning
0: yeah, I think that was that was a separate, that was a separate theory, that's two
1: bit the, the 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 advertising thing and too many things being imbued with meaning definitely like going back to the you know the five hundred pound handbag you know I I can imagine people buying a five hundred pound handbag as a this one one step I've never gone to <laughs> I was like I've done sh- I have done a few expensive pairs of shoes for sure. Hmm. And in those moments, they have represented for me like a moment of you know being able to afford it, being able to do mm-hmm. it is like a you know so there's that kind of you know look at me, I've attained this level of so i i you know i can't but so so there's lots of at- lots of things attached to that, but then there comes a point where you also have to go, no, hang on. This also means start being sucked in by your bullshit. (laughs) Like, who was I talking to the other day? One of the quotes from one of the people is like, he said, "Obviously, you know, I care less now about what people think of me, and part of that is psychology, and part of that is age." And I think that being true to yourself and your values, there is a lot of value in self-reflection going, why, why do I think that? Because I think if you allowed yourself to self-reflect far enough, all of us would conclude that. You know, in the, in the making loads of money to impress daddy scenario that we mention yeah, regularly, yeah, yeah. like if, you, if that person self-reflected enough, they would come to the conclusion that actually their life is not about impressing their father, that that's yeah. unhealthy and they need to move away from that. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah. have to be prepared to do self-reflection. You have to be prepared to pause the SOMA. And that is scary.
0: Humans need meaning. And, and so in that sense, I kind of feel like that's maybe not being triggered as much as it could be. Although, no, you think you think about Game of Thrones, no one's introspecting.
1: No, but that's the thing that we're not doing. And like those of us who can afford to self-reflect should self-reflect, I think, you know, that, that is like mm. I understand that it's, it's not something everyone can afford to do, both financially, materially, emotionally, because it's mm. not always a pleasant journey of understanding who you really are and what drives yeah. you um which is what you need
0: to do in order to know what meaning you know, you know so to if, if you, understand if the you, meaning you ascribe to if things. you
1: have enough therapy
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> as we've Often discussed previously to therapy, it's important
1: it? to therapy. you know there's a lot of tears and sweat involved in having therapy and a lot of darkness you know so so I understand that not everybody can afford to do that but those of us who can really I think that's you know we sort of owe it to ourselves and the world to do it because this is the thing those people yeah, that are shouting for you know brexit and you know the, the people who are shouting for getting rid of immigrants and who are shouting for for various things they have attached meaning and power and of the yeah. feeling of fulfillment to that shared experience of shouting mm. for something yeah. if you Farage has achieved nothing or you know Trump has achieved that they've certainly achieved this like you know we stand together we've 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 created a tribe we've got a chant we know mm. what we're going for you know they've created very yeah
0: there's definitely a market for a local tribe which is yeah. what they're keying you know and hard into but at the expense of you know everything else so I'm thinking this is meaning part one, pre-conference. Yes. So why don't we see what we think about this subject post-conference. And listeners, if you have listened to this one after the conference, subscribe and hear what we thought of the conference. <gasps> oh, wow, that? a cliffhanger. <gasps> a cliffhanger. Music. For listening, <laughs> hope you enjoyed it. If you like the podcast, come to grandpodcast.com, subscribe, send us an email hello at grandpodcast.com. Where can people find you, Ivanka?
1: At Ivanka on Twitter. Mm.
0: And you can find me at michaelforestmusic.com because I've done all the music. If
1: you could please write us some reviews or a big check.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A big check sounds good. (laughs) Like, that would be, you know, this is definitely a a great source of meaning in my life. You know, it's something that we've found, if nothing else, in the years since the last meeting is sort of having this routine and, uh, I think, positive, expensive effort every week. And we hope that other people get something out of it. I hope you did, whoever's listening.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Episode 51...
0: <gasps> and so next week will be a year, and we are thinking about switching it up a bit for the year two. But we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about that. I guess we'll discover that in time. Um, all right, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. 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 bye.